Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 when it comes to your investments and retirement in this economy it's important to be smart and with the smart investor hour heard right here on am 1420 the answer you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing so sit back listen and learn with your host of the smart investor hour tim hayes of rbc wealth management good afternoon everybody let's start thinking positively Before you are a leader, success is all about growing yourself. When you become a leader, success is all about growing others. That's Jack Welch. He should know. The greatest leader is not necessarily the one who does the greatest things. He is the one who gets the people who work for him to do the greatest things. One of my heroes, Ron Reagan. A leader is one who knows the way, goes the way, and shows the way. That's John Maxwell. If you don't know who he is, you should look him up. He's a very smart man. I've learned that people will forget what you said. People forget what you did. But people will never forget how you made them feel. And then finally, I I can't remember. That was uh, Maya Angelou, I think. Uh, There's no investment you can make which will pay you so well as the effort to scatter sunshine and good cheer through your establishment. (laughs) <laughs> there we go. Uh, as I always talk about on this show, um, if you go to WHK1420, go to local podcast, down to the Smart Investor Show, you can go directly to my webpage. I highly recommend going to Insight, which is a bar across the top. Weekly, we change the research there, okay? And it's good research. We name names. We name names on that research, okay? Uh, also, uh, under bulletin boards, You can get Rob Schleimer, who may be the best technician in the business. You can get his work from week to week. All right. You know, he he went cautious back in November, talking about being at the top end of the trend line. And he's been right. And uh, also, we have a weekly newsletter there. All right. And there's a bunch of other stuff about interest rates, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, You know, interest rates, everybody's talking about them going straight up and and that type of thing. And uh, I I don't know. I mean, I. I just can't see them going straight up. Uh, you know, it was interesting, um, and, you know, I, I don't know if this is true, uh, but, you know, if you look uh, at at basically the economic information, um, there it hasn't been good. <laughs> uh, it hasn't been good. Uh, it, it, well, the... the the economic, the, the employment numbers were way below what they were expecting. Uh, you know, it, it's just ridiculous how well below, way below they were, and and yet the interest rates went up. That's that's kind of an interesting scenario. So, all right, let's why don't we talk a little strategy first, and <clears throat> you know uh, what Lori Calafatina does who's our head strategist and a good one, by the way. Uh, I mean, I think if you you mold her and Tom Lee's information together, you can't go wrong. Uh, well, you can always go wrong. But, 
what she did was she looked in, uh, she looked at three things. Number one, the outlooks for performance over the next six to 12 months. And she talked to the analysts now, uh, remain constructive, uh, boosted by fundamentals, valuation, cash deployment, and margins. But, you know, obviously restrained by the cooler uh, views on fiscal policy back backdrop and also the Fed. And our analysts tilt positive on energy, financials, materials, information tech, along with utilities and healthcare. Uh, so we've got a little bit of value cyclical uh, in there and some a little bit of secular growth. And then finally, uh, in terms of hot topics, uh, topics I'm sorry. I think you got to focus, uh, or our analysts have focused on COVID, inflation, regulation, labor, supply chains, and pricing power. So, uh, as it become our custom, uh, you know, at RBC, each quarter we ask our analysts to rate their industries on a scale uh, of six different questions, which we ask them about their outlook on performance, fundamentals, valuation, cash deployment, margins, and policy. And our, our analysts uh, tilt positive on those those. On a lot of the fundamentals, uh, valuation, cash deployment, et cetera. So that's good. The aggravated views are slightly more constructive than what we observed in the September survey. So that, that's kind of interesting, I think, uh, personally. Uh, and in terms of sectors, you know, we still talk about information technology, so it's not dead. I think there's going to be a switch, though. And I'm, I'm going to talk about that because I got a couple questions uh, on, on the telephone this week. And uh, so I, I think that's what we've got to uh, look at. So you know, supply chains uh, was the big question. 44% of our analysts continue to say supply chains are a moderate problem. Not a huge problem, but a moderate problem. And uh, I think we could, well, I'm not going to go there. Anyway, so look, the next thing I think you got to be looking at is, uh, you know, the ISM was weaker, but inflation prices were weaker also. And our, you know, uh, I think, you know, Tom Lee was talking about, the base case for inflation is still transitory. Why? Because technology is bringing the cost of things down. Okay, you know, just all you got to do is order from Amazon to see that. So, uh, the, the other thing, the employment number was not that great. Uh, I mean, we had like 196,000 new employees. We were looking for 400,000. Okay, so that was not a good number. Yet interest rates went up. So now. What, I, what also I saw on my charts, this is not RBC or anybody else, this is Tim Hayes speaking, is utilities showed up big on Thursday. Now, if interest rates are going higher, utilities tend to be a bond surrogate. What's going on there? All right. So, look, I, I think, you know, we may get up to, you know, maybe 5,000 on the S&P 500. Then I think we have a couple of, you know, a couple of months where you got to be careful. And then, and then I think we'll take off. Uh, you know, that's Tim Hayes's opinion. But look, the vaccine effect for consumers, I think, is is, uh, you know, kind of important. The other thing is this last, you know, Omicron uh, could be what sets us up to get over this in that it's not as bad. Yet if a lot of people get it, you know, unfortunately, <laughs> they have to get it. But if you're vaccinated, you know, it might not be a problem. I don't know about, you know, how bad it is for people who are, who are unvaccinated. I'm just hearing more about that. Uh, you know, it, it should help us turn the corner. All right. If that's the case, you know, I, I think that's, you know, COVID, inflation, 
supply chains, you know, and that's one of the big problems that we're thinking we're seeing out there. So it's something I think we have to pay closer attention to going forward, going ahead, I should say. Now, in my humble opinion, it's time for a tune up. (laughs) And I've been looking through it. I've spent the last two weeks. I haven't talked to my clients a lot. And the reason I haven't is because, look, you know, people have been asking me, you know, what are you doing? And I'm, I'm kind of sitting on my hands. And the reason I am is that if you look at the NASDAQ composite, okay, of the 3,655 stocks out there, 40% of them are down 50%. And, and Rob Schleimer was talking that almost 70% of the New York Stock Exchange stocks are down 30%. So Sitting on your hands sometimes is good. Now, I have a lot of financials. You know, I pounded the table on financials earlier in the year, and I pound the table on oil. Some of my clients would not buy oil. That's up to them. You know, I, I give them the opportunity. Uh, you know, I, uh, Exxon was $58. Everybody hated it. It's now $68, and it pays an 8% dividend. That's a pretty good return, okay? Now, I'm not recommending Exxon. I'm not recommending any stocks on the show. But I think if I look at things, and one of the uh, – one of the things I think you have to do is start to think. Now, I've been, I feel like the boy who cried wolf, all right, because I've been talking about this value situation versus growth for two years. But, you know, two years ago, it was the longest period of outperformance by growth ever, ever. It's the first time in a five year period that growth outperformed the value ever. Okay. And why? was Federal Reserve policy. They brought interest rates probably below market value, all right? So now they may be they may be moving them up, and they may be moving them up too late, all right? Because it looks like to me that the, the numbers aren't that great, you know? You, but, you know, I, I don't run the Federal Reserve, so I'm not going to comment on them. But I think you have to think about your portfolio right now. Is your allocation... To certain sectors askew. Now, look, I have a couple of stocks that I'm not real happy with right now. Everybody does. You know, even Warren Buffett, uh, you know, if you hit seven out of 10 in the stock market, you're a home run hitter. You're the best guy on the planet. All right. The key is to let your winners run and to cut your losers off. And, you know, I've been guilty of one stock that kind of took me, uh, which, you know, that happens to everybody. But Uh, I think it's got a great long-term future. The problem is, like I said, I think there's been an asset allocation to value. You know, Tom Lee, and we talked about Tom, you know, we we get his research. He's a great guy at Fundstrat. He's a very smart man. He may be one of the best strategists on the planet. And I think, you know, Lori Calvacina has been saying the same thing. You know, some of these stocks took off on on air, you know, Mimi stocks, whatever, and they're pulling back hard. But I think that, uh, you know, one of the things I think you got to do is look at the wreckage of the IPO market. You know, there was a lot of really good companies that were way overvalued on the IPO that are getting interesting now. Okay, that's that's number one. But you better have a long term outlet uh, outlook. I'm sorry. I think, in my humble opinion, the other thing is I looked at the, you know, the top stocks. And one of the things that Bob Schleimer said, and I'm going to go over this again in the next period here, is that, you know, when you have an uptrend, what you, what you do in a market or a stock 
is you draw a line from each of the higher lows and each of the higher highs. That's your trend lines, okay? And when you break either one of them, you better pay attention. We broke the up on the NASDAQ 100. I have never seen anything good happen out of that. I'll just, that's all I'm going to say about that. But uh, look, I think maybe there's a couple things. First of all, yeah, I think you have to look at value. And I, you know, international performance has been a dud, you know, since 2007, which, by the way, on this show, we said to get out of China. On, on this show, we said it was parabolic. And, and uh, so it'll be interesting to see if the international markets can gain some relative strength. But I think financials, I, you know, I did my charts this morning, and financials and oil were 80%. The other 10%, uh, 10% was entertainment companies. And then the rest were biotechs. So uh, that's kind of an interesting mindset. But I think, you know, U.S. equities are on track to open a year with mixed results. You know, the growth area is getting whacked, and the value area has begun to dominate the head, headlines. All right? And I think that's going to continue. You know, like I said, Tom Lee spoke two a summer ago about the the epicenter trade. Okay, you know, but I'm also seeing some industrials, a lot of chemicals. You know, these are the type of stocks that are showing up on my charts now. Not not a lot of the. Uh, I had the smallest number of technology stocks ever this week. Now. If, if I look at the U.S. economic focus, Tom Percelli, our chief economist, who's on CNBC quite a bit, you know, let us help you shake off any fear that is seemingly gripping you. So uh, many of the back on Omicron. OK, the coming year is going to be another strong one. No one wants to hear that when you, you're dealing with a variant. We'll all get caught up in the immediate fear. All right. But we have no doubt that some people will start talking about the silly idea of stagflation again. Once again, we move beyond that. but. In the intermediate term, we have to deal with Omicron and scaling back of activities underway. Many companies are telling people to work from home still. Now, the degree which we see the, sh the shutdown and the scaling back is certainly open to debate, but one of the most economically sensitive sectors through the reopening phase of the pandemic has been the restaurant sector. And try as we might to find a better ultra-high frequency metric, few indicators have been on the spot in uh, capturing the moods and wiggles of the consumer. Okay, it makes sense. You only go out if you feel good about yourself and you feel good about, you know, your, your health. It's easy to book a reservation on the net. It requires little, you know, a little heavy lifting, I guess. But, uh, um, you know, if we, if we look, the perspective here uh, is that, you know, I went through downtown Hudson last night and the restaurants are full. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Okay, so we'll just leave it at that. And look, I'm going to talk about this again, and I'm going to do it at ad, ad nauseum. I think, look, dividend stocks have underperformed for the last three years, and I think it's time for you to start to think about the prime income list and the dividend growth list. The prime income list generated a 9.6% return during the fourth quarter of 2021 compared to the return of the benchmark, which was 8.3%. So it beat it. All right. The dividend growth portfolio uh, generated a total return in 2021 of 24%. I think these things are starting to break out. 
all right? And it's important. You know, one of the things that you like about dividend growth is it keeps up with inflation. The prime income, the prime income list is one of those situations that keep you, uh, for those people who need income now, your retirees, that's something you've got to talk about. And believe me, what I do is I don't buy these all at once. I buy them as they become attractive. And slowly but surely, you'll see the outperformance, uh, especially, uh, you know, dividends, support stocks. And I think we could be in for a little bit of problem going forward this year, but uh, not today. Anyway, uh, let's take a break. If you have a question, the number here is 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. We'll be right back. Someone else, but not for me. Our love was out to get me. That's the way it seemed. Okay, we're back. Uh, you just tuned in. This is the Smart Investor Show. And, you know, back in January of last year, I talked about the, the energy sector. And, look, I had some help. This isn't Tim being a genius. I read a lot. And both Tom Lee and Lori Calvacina, who's our head strategist, and Tom Lee's from Fundstrat, both agreed that energy was a pretty good place to be. Now, um, I mean, there's been names like Matador, which, you know, is on the dome. And if you remember from the days when I used to talk about Bakken, Montana, when you're in the dome and you find oil, the chances you get acquired are probably 80%. <laughs> but that stock's going from 25 to 42, 43. All right. I think it's going higher. And I, I wouldn't buy it here. Just so you know, I'm not recommending Matador, um, but it was on our best ideas for small cap list. And I, I sent that out to 27 people. So you had your opportunity. But I, I think, uh, you know, whether you're buying the big oils, uh, oil service is probably a great place to be. And why? Why? Well, look, we believe the energy sector is set up to perform really well in 2022. And, and the force quarter should be another example of the continuing deleveraging across the sector. Also, they are improving their cash generation, their cash flow, shall we say, because they've started to use disciplined spending across the board. So we expect a number of majors to announce higher shareholder returns alongside results in the first quarter. Last year, we saw U.S. majors step up to the ESG plate, so they're they're playing the game. That's environmental, social, and governance for all the, um, the you know the people that are you know talking about that these days, you know like BlackRock and a few others, and try to thread the energy transi- transition needle. However, we believe the attention this year will shift back to the core oil and gas business rather than low carbon ambitions. Rising energy costs are likely to work their way through multiple sectors going forward, and we believe the tailwinds in energy are likely to be the headwinds elsewhere. All right, so uh, you know we update our estimates for the commodity prices in recent trading updates, and with a two percent change on average from 2021, that's a big number. And uh, you know one of the things that all these oil companies are doing are boosting shareholder returns. So. You know, how they use that, whether they raise your dividend or whatever, but they're not spending the money anymore. It's cash flow. So 
you know, you're not getting drilling. Uh, so the, the, the politics involved here by cutting off the pipelines are probably going to make us all pay a lot more. So uh, <laughs> there you go. Um, look, I, I, I got to talk about a little bit about long-term cycles here. And I, I, I think you got to remember that we ha- secular bull markets have long-term cycles. They're, you know, they're 16 to 18 years. It doesn't mean you can't have a correction in them. I mean, 1987 was a scary time. Believe me, I sat there. My wife told me she was pregnant the, the Friday before the Monday. All right. Uh, so it was a very scary time. We went, we dropped 25% in a day. All right. So it, they can happen in a bull market. And I'm suggesting the reason I'm bringing that up is I think a lot of the stocks that influence the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ composite are way, way above their trend lines. Okay. So, um, you know, I, I had Greg from Westlake call me and uh, he said I could use his name. And he asked about Apple. And I said, Apple's a great company. It's just way above its trend line. You know, and I'm not telling you where the trend line is. That's for you to decide and, you know, uh, whatever. Um, and he asked, uh, no. Uh, and then Michael, who's from Shaker Heights, asked me, you know, what are you seeing out there? I said, look, there's been a strong rotation in the defensive cycles. You know, people are starting to worry a little bit about that type of thing. All right. So what's my biggest fear? Well, you know, that Apple and all these other stocks that are way up above their trend line come back to their trend line. And if they do, we're going to have some tough times in the market. All right. So I don't know if that's the case, but look, there's a four year cycle that Rob Schleimer talks about. And Rob is our technician and he's a very good one, by the way. And, you know, during that four year cycle, you have the one down year and then the next year's up big, then the next year's up okay. And then the next year's up kind of with some whoops in it. And then finally, the fourth year has a big whoops. And that's just the way it works. So uh, now the key is, uh, is if you look at the long term cycle, you know, it's amazing how the number you could be talking about on the S&P 500. All right. So you got to keep you got to think long term, but you got to be smart about the short term. And look, a growth stocks, uh, I think, you know, large cap growth may have made a double top. The mid cap and small cap growth has underperformed value pretty drastically. So that's some things to think about. All right. Um, Now, if we look going forward, the monthly momentum has peaked in the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ. And so I think you're going to see slower returns in 2022 versus 2020 and 2021. All right. However, the trend remains positive. That's why I go back to the prime income list and the dividend growth list. This, you're going to make money slower, okay? Dividends are important. Uh, I've been buying stocks that are down and out with dividends. I found one Friday. Uh, I'm going to be talking to a lot of people over the next week about uh, one particular stock, all right? But look, the S&P 500 is 45% or nearing, I should say. It's not there yet. 45% above the weekly 200-day average, moving average, all right? Uh, so, I mean, usually it's up 8 to 10%. So it's, it's way up there. And uh, the NASDAQ is above its trend channel, okay? So that's something to t- pay very close attention to. 
You know, the Russell 2000 has lagged for a long, long time. It's, you know, it's lagged through 2021. And I think you've got to use 2100 as the downside risk on that one. Sentiment remains very subdued. Nobody's bullish. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't think people have a lot of confidence in, in the people running the country right now. Uh, and I, I think they're very worried about overspending and things like that. Uh, the 10 year, you know, blew out, you know, blew out on the upside. And, you know, we talked about last week, we said, it looks like it's, you know, it's a chart that you would buy if it was a stock, right? And commodity trends, uh, despite being volatile, most of them are trading within ranges uh, in 2021. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, I noticed that oil firmed a bit and copper, uh, you know, copper and, and gold, the copper has a shorter cup and handle formation, uh, but it's got to break through the top first. You know, uh, if it breaks through the bottom, then the cup and hand, handle formation dies. Gold has one going back to 2009. So if it were to break, I think it's 2100, it would be off to the races. So a currency that the U.S. dollar has rallied right back to resistance. So, you know, we got to be, you know, if the dollar starts to decline, the commodities are going to go up. Uh, and, and look, I, I think you want to stay away from uh, a lot of the um, stocks that are up in the technology area. There's a lot of stocks down 30, 40%, which are pretty good companies. Okay. And then I think the cyclical ideas, and, you know, I got a question from uh, Michael. No, I'm sorry. That was <laughs> Michael Shaker. What is value? Uh, that was, that was Tom and Brexel. And uh, Tom, Tom value, you know, is financials, industrials. Uh, the difference between growth and value, basically growth, you use a PE to a peg ratio, a PE to growth. So if growth slips up or E slips up, you got to adjust the P. <laughs> All right. So if you're trading at 50 or 100 times earnings and suddenly, you know, interest rates go up, that slows earnings. They readjust things very, very quickly. Okay. Very, very quickly. Um, look, I, uh, you know, a couple stocks that I owned went down significantly in a very short period of time and it surprised me. Now, I don't think there, it's the end of the world because I have insider buyers buying, the, buying these things big. But uh, so there are value stocks out there that look good. And I, I, I've also seen some safety stocks that look really, really good. So uh, but, you know, you just got to remember that's a 16 to 18 you know, period of time. And, you know, look, in the last two cycles, bull cycles, the S&P 500 went up 2300 percent. All right. So that could be like thirteen hundred. And fifty to fourteen thousand. If we went up two thousand percent, I'm not predicting that, but that just gives you an eye. So, one of the things about that I I look at very closely is the four and thirteen months moving average, and the current trend for the S and P 500 remains positive. But you know, you always regress back to the mean. So there's a big gap between the two, and usually that gap narrows. All right. Uh, so uh, when 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 you get the thirteen months moving upward over the four four months, usually that's a bad sign. Okay. Uh, when the four months breaks down over the 13 months, that's a really bad sign. <laughs> so, uh, but right now it, it's just, it's okay. It's just, we, you know, we're, we're pretty far away from each other. So, you know, you want to be careful there. I still think the ratio of S and P 500 versus bonds looks positive. All right. And, uh, I, you know, I just think the forward returns are going to be harder to make. So, uh, you know, I'm just telling you the, 
the prime income list and the dividend growth list is where you want to be. All right. Uh, the Russell 2000, uh, you know, had had a big move up and then died. And I would just say this, the economic surprise for the G10 still is not that bullish. And, and the uh, the bullish sentiment and bearish sentiment is still not that bullish. So stay tuned. We're going to be right back with some uh, stuff on the uh, uh, the bullish percent, et cetera, et cetera. So stay tuned. If you have a question, 216-901-0945. This is Smart Investor Show. Smart Investor Show, and a couple things. Remember, from now on, we're we're on at noon. <laughs> uh, RBC and I had a, uh, you know, we were supposed to wait till uh, January 22nd to do that, so we could advertise a little bit. But uh, uh, I don't know what went wrong. Something went wrong. Uh, so high noon, you know, with Gary Cooper and Grace Kelly. <laughs> and also, if you'd like to have a cup of coffee, talk about your portfolio, because I think it's now a time is to reallocate now. Like in a lot of my clients, I've already reallocated. You know, I've got a lot of the value stocks in there already. Uh, probably need to uh, uh, I, look. Uh, growth stocks don't go straight down. Nothing goes straight down. I think there'll be usually when things are going to get beat up pretty bad, they make a lower high. Okay, and I think that's coming soon. So uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, but I do have a lot of value stocks in, and uh, look, the start of twenty. 22 has seen a broadening out of strength in in large cap domestic equity market. And although uh, the mega cap names have struggled this week, value-oriented areas have done really well. And this is carried over to the equal-weighted S&P 500. Now, our friends at Dorsey Wright, uh, you know, in Virginia, who do a great job of uh, point-and-figure charts, and believe me, that's, you know, look, I look at all, I look at candlesticks, I look at, you know, regular charts, bar charts, and I, I look at point and figure charts. And I use Dorsey Wright because they're the experts in it. And, you know, I I want to deal with the experts, okay? That's why I talked with Tom. I mean, I listened to Tom Lee and Rob Schleimer and Lori Calvacina. And, you know, we got Joe Spack as our, our uh, you know, he's one of the top auto analysts in the world. I listen to these guys, okay? Uh, because they're smart people, very smart people. So, uh, you know, you want to, and, and, and then I do it myself. So I put all that input together and say, hey, wait, what's going on here? But if you look at the RSP, which is the equal weight S&P 500 index, it has a very strong fund score from our friends at, at Dorsey Wright. You know, anything over three is good, but they're at 5.38. And they just broke a double top at 142, uh, which I think is pretty interesting because the S&P 500, you know, looks like, you know, it's kind of shaky right now, okay, because it's capitalization weighted. So the big names like Apple and Microsoft could affect it. And uh, I think that's something that you got to be paying attention to. So now I, I keep getting questions about Bitcoin. And remember, I, I don't really follow this stuff. Uh, I mean, I I pay attention to it. Don't get me wrong. But look, Bitcoin fell 10%, 10.5% last week, and, and uh, Ethernet fell 9 uh, I think people are starting to understand that, you know, nothing goes straight up. And remember, I I talked about Bitcoin when it was a thousand on the show. 
And then it went to 23,000. Somebody called in and said, I've never made so much money. I said, well, you better be careful because it's parabolic. And it went all the way back to 3,000. Okay. So it's a, it's, you know, if you don't like volatility, you shouldn't be there is what I'm trying to tell you. But I think, uh, you know, you know, I was just looking at the, the crypto index, the NCI, and boy, you know, it better rally quick because <laughs> it's just about to break, uh, you know, a couple uh, pieces of sport. So, uh, but let's, I, I know nothing about this. I just look at the charts and tell you what I say. By the way, our friends at Dorsey Wright, you know, said that, said the same thing. So I'm not the only one uh, saying there. I just, look, it's, it's great if you don't mind volatility. If, you know, uh, a 25% correction in three weeks bothers you, you should, should, should be there. Uh, I, I tend to be more of a retirement guy. You know, I'm looking for the long-term bullish scenario. All right. Uh, you know, I want to buy great companies when they're down. That's what it comes down to. I love bonds too, but I don't think bonds are a place to be right now. So the New York Stock Exchange Index uh, has had a uh, it got beat up and it's kind of rallied hard in the last couple of weeks. Most, mostly, it's the bottom 300 of the S&P 500 that has been picking up, which is interesting because uh, usually at the top, you know, if you look top 50 or 60 stocks, and by the way, that's what was responsible for most of the move in the S&P 500 last year. So this is interesting. Now, you know, we, we our friends Dorsey Wright are the keepers of the bullish percent. And the bullish percent has been wild last year. 16 different moves. You know, when you have four, it's a big year. 16 is two more than the, the most volatile year there was. And the reason was is because we had seven different 5% corrections. We didn't have a 10% correction. We had seven different 5% corrections. So we bounced back back and forth really very quickly, and, and the corrections were very fast, and then they turned around, which, you know, like I said last week, it kind of makes you feel like Linda Blair and the Exorcist and your head's spinning around. So we, you know, we, we said last week that, you know, we turned positive, and uh, we were up 6.6% this week. So a lot of the stocks that had been down are, are and not doing much, have been Picking up, which is good. Uh, now, we wouldn't turn down again until we hit 50%, and I don't think that's going to be the case. What I think is going to be the case is the large names are going to stall. I don't know if they're going down. I think they're going to stall, okay, because a lot of people own them. And, you know, there's two types of corrections. There's a price correction, and there's a time correction. So a time correction is going sideways. You know, I talked about the entertainment stocks. You should see those guys. They got two, three-year sideways movements. Uh, now, one had a big big spike in between there, but, you know, uh, so that'll be very interesting. And uh, uh, But we were up 6.6 to 56% last week, which is a big move. So what we're seeing is, you know, the value-oriented stocks are, are taking over for the, for the big names. And the over-the-counter index uh, is still in column of X's. It was up 1.1%. Uh, you know, it got down to 31. Uh, 32 would be, you know, where it would break down. Uh, it's at 39.7 right now. And the and the world index went into a column of X's this week by being, it was up 5%, and it wouldn't turn down till 40 till 40. So we have the ball, okay, for now anyway. Uh, you know, uh, if you look at the total return of some of these things, uh, you know, Kathy Wood's art group uh, was phenomenal. In 2020, 
they were a disaster. Uh, uh, you know, this year they're down 17 and a half percent on average. Uh, for you know, and I, I, one of them was down 27 percent. So, um, the, what was interesting this week, if you were doing the the particular uh, ETF, say construction was was uh, one of the top performings. Uh, it had a gain of 25 percent. The broader technology, real estate materials, and consumer discretionary were big ones. Uh, they were, you know, tech space was up 23%, real estate and uh, the other ones were up about 17.5%. One of the more intriguing ones was the, the Global Carbon Strategy ETF. Uh, you know, it, it tracks a lot of things. That was up 24%. And and then the uh, the rare strategic metals was up 15%. So it'd be interesting to see if they, they stay that way for the year. All right. Uh, and so... You know what? Do, what do you do now? Okay, uh, and I don't know if they're going to stay that way. You know, I mean, what won last year may not win this year, and I, I just think uh, you know, dividend growth stocks are not overpriced by any st- st- stretch of the imagination, and neither are the prime income list. So, look, I, I think uh, one of the areas that's very extended right now is the large cap growth space, and I think you know that was a great winner last year, uh, but you know. We'll see what happens and uh, going forward. Now, in the sectors, technology is still number one. Financials picked up a lot of steam. Consumer cyclicals fell down one. Industrials, energy, and then real estate. Uh, I, I find that interesting. Dead last is healthcare and utilities. And healthcare, uh, I haven't seen much. Uh, had several days on my charts where healthcare just dominated. But on Thursday, I had 40 utilities show up. Uh, by the way, it was utilities, oil and gas, a little real estate. Technology has not shown up, but the technology that has shown up is the old line tech, not the new stuff. Okay, uh, and I'll leave that up to you. That's that's you know for your for your own good. So I would overweight tech still, but I'd I'd have an allocation switch. Uh, I'd overweight financials uh, and consumer cyclicals. Uh, I do think. Energy is improving. Uh, you know, had a bad fourth quarter. That's okay. That's when you buy it, I think. Um, and and I, I I'm gonna. There's like I said, there's two or three stocks I want to you know talk to people about next week. Uh, so internationally, um, you know, the EFA only had a it had a 2.8 percent return in the fourth quarter, so it was way below. So what we're finding is they're they're not bad. The international ETFs and the international market is not bad, but they're not as good as the the, the uh, U.S. market. You know, the EEM was down, uh, I think it was down 3.62% for the year. Um, we did have some improvement in a lot of the developed nations. Uh, if you look at the point and figure charts that our friend Dorsey's writes, you know, I keep mentioning them because uh, they're good people. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I, I think that's, that's important. Now, look... I, I think what's important is if you have ETFs, you have to have some kind of strategy, right? Now, there are some strategy ETFs out there that I use, and I think you got to look at relative strength. I think you got to look at favored sectors, uh, you know, that type of thing. And so if you're going to do international, I think, you know, you want to do the, the international favored countries, okay? Uh, you know, because Taiwan has made a big run, and, you know, uh, leave it at that. Now, the other thing uh, – the long duration funds were among the best performance in the fourth quarter, as you know, 
basically interest rates declined after the Fed talked, which was weird. Uh, but they got hammered the first week. And high-yield bonds were, were one of the best performers, uh, and then they got hammered. So, you know, one thing I did notice is the TNX, which is the 10-year yield index, broke a triple top at 1.675. Uh, is now sitting around 177. So uh, the, the direction is up, okay, for, for these things. So, you know, that's something to pay attention to. Now, you know, oil had been negative for about 10 weeks and now went positive and uh, gold went positive and copper went positive. And the corn, which had been the top performing group in the last quarter, is now negative. So the mom- it's just a momentum. OK, it's just a momentum that we're looking at. So that's something to think about. Uh, all right. Look, we're going to uh, take a break here and uh, I'm going to come back with the the insiders. Um and then talk a little bit about what Rob Scheimer saw over the week. In the meantime, if you got a question, 216-901-0945. 216-901-0945. Stay tuned. Song get you uh, standing on your chair. <laughs> anyway, uh, a couple things. Remember, if you'd like to get any material that I talked about on this show, uh, you know, our best ideas, our dividend growth portfolio, our prime income list, go to WHK1420, local podcast, down to Smart Investor Show. It goes directly to my webpage. There's all sorts of contact me, email me, that type of stuff. You want to call me? I take calls. I, you know, I got five or six calls last week asking me questions. Now, I'm not going to answer them the way you want. I'm not going to give you specific ideas. But if you have a question, I'll, I'll try to answer it the best I possibly can without, you know, uh, my clients get that information. It's that simple. Uh, by the way, if you want to have a cup of coffee, let me know. Uh, you know, I'd be glad to sit down with you. I think it's important that you start to reallocate funds. I, uh, I, I've already done some of it, a lot of it, and I just think you've got to uh, continue to do that. So now we talk about insiders. So we did. We started with a strategy piece, and we funneled this down to to ideas. And uh, and I'm not suggesting that these are my ideas. These are the insiders' ideas. So you should pay close attention because these guys usually are early. In some cases, they're really early. I mean, some of the biotech guys. You know, biotech has been out to lunch since Hillary Clinton spoke about drug prices, and uh, they just haven't come back. And it, you know, some of these guys have been buying every year big masses of it. Uh, and they're not dumb people. You know, most of these guys are billionaires. They're not stupid. They're billionaires. Okay. You don't become a billionaire by being stupid. I guarantee you that. All right. So, uh, insiders know their companies better than we do. They're usually early. Just remember that. And, uh, I don't want the guy that buys a thousand shares. I'm looking at big purchases. Okay. Guys that are, look, you sell stocks for a lot of reasons. You know, buy a house on the coast of Marseille or your your brand new Porsche or whatever you may do. Okay, and that's what insiders do. But they buy in the open market for one and one reason only: make money. Okay, so let's start off. Stitch Fitch. Here's a company that's 
buying $15 million of its own stock. I owned this stock at one time. I made a good deal of money on it, and then it got creamed. And it's back below its, its new issue price. And here we have working capital has now bought 3.398 million shares, and they just bought another 11,000 this week, and the company is buying another 15 million. That sounds like a pretty good idea to me. And then OPTN, uh, MVN uh, Partners, has bought a 5.2% stake in it. And then uh, we also have, uh, I find this, this very interesting because this guy is a pretty smart guy, but Cliff Sosen has bought about $4 million worth of two different stocks. Uh, one is uh, Party City, which is a specialty retailer that he owns, and the other is Cardalytics, which is an internet content uh, company that he owns. So uh, I find that interesting. Uh, very smart guy. Also, uh, Agnes Kim um, is a very smart lady, uh, and she's a member of a 10% owner group, by the way. And they bought Amcor after it got beat up. It was 27, and now it's 23.73, and they paid 24.68 for it. But they bought 45 million, and then they bought—I mean, 46 million. Then they bought 46 million, and they bought 46 million, all in the same day. So uh, they were basically 70 percent of the volume on Amcor that day when it was down. And uh, Jack Schuler, uh, who was a big hitter with Abbott Labs, uh, on on. The last day of the year bought uh, nine, $10 million uh, worth of uh, biodesics. Now, he was not alone. Uh, John Patience, who's another smart guy, he bought $700,000 worth. And Matt Strobick, and I think Matt, I think John is the chairman, and Matt Strobick uh, bought another 640,000 shares. You may recall that um uh, uh, Mr. Schuler also owns a lot of accelerated diagnostics and been buying it. They've been beating these little little uh, healthcare stocks up bad, and I think that may be a place that people are going to put a lot of money to work, in my humble opinion. And then uh, also, Mersana Therapeutics, which was a ten dollars stock, is now a six and a half dollars stock, and these guys bought around five seventy five. So remember that. Uh, you know, uh, the director uh, Andrew Hack. Bought $5 million on the 29th, and then on the 30th, he came back and bought another $5 million. So that's kind of interesting. And then uh, uh, Ramble On, which is a retailer, uh, it's one of those funky new internet retailers. Uh, you know, we, we had the chief operating officer, Mark, I think it's Chack. I, I don't quote me on that. He stepped up to the plate and bought $3.3 million worth. And I thought that was very interesting. And then uh, also, uh, Orbstat, which is a communications company, which was like five bucks, now three twenty. We had the chairman and CEO uh, Charlie Fernandez. He he bought two point two million dollars worth. By the way, Charlie owns a lot of it. He owns like two point six million shares. So I mean, he's, uh, I'm I'm sorry, uh, Charlie owns one point six million shares. So he he doubled his position basically in, in a quick week. And then here's one Bridge Bio that got killed. Uh, the a director Jim. Mom Tomsey bought uh, $1.16 million. And here's another one that I like because it's kind of at a new high. And that's Simon Properties. And this is one was, by the way, on a prime income list at 65 bucks. It's now 160 something. Uh, now, he, he, he paid 122 so he obviously bought it with options, but he bought a million dollars worth. So I put him in, uh, involved there. And then, you know, we talked about this company, Everquote, because we've had several insider buys. And Dave London, who's a, a director, 
uh, bought twice to the tune of about $1.2 million. And then uh, here's one for all you guys that like the low price stocks or Genix. Uh, Bob Kosky, who's a director, bought a million shares, uh, basically at 52 cents, uh, 47 cents, I'm sorry. Uh, I just categorize that as a pretty big move. Oh, you know, I forgot. Uh, as far as Orbistat is concerned, there was two other guys that bought, uh, that one was the president and CEO, Dave Phipps, and he bought uh, $150,000. He already owns like 400000 by the way. And and Doug Elinoff, who, who uh, took his initial position. Uh, so there's a lot of buyers. However, the stock of the week, again, <laughs> is our friend Dustin Muskowski. Muscovitz, I'm sorry. You may know Dustin was one of the guys that started Facebook with Mark Zuckerberg. And uh, I'll just remember, I started buying Facebook, you know, came public and it got beat up. I mean, it had one day up or two days up and then it got beat up and around $18, $19, it got hammered. Uh, and Mr. Muscovitz started buying back then. And so I bought with him and, and um, made quite a bit of money because I still own most most of that Facebook, uh, it did. I did sell it around 180, and then it got crushed, and I bought it back at 120. Uh, but there we go. Uh, anyway, you know, he he bought. Uh, I mean, he's gone from like four percent ownership to 12. And last week, uh, he bought half a million shares at 75, another half a million shares at 71, another half a million at 61.50, and then 250 thousand shares at 68.44. So I think his ownership is, uh, you know, up there. <laughs> I don't know what the final outcome, but last week he bought, in the last week and a half, he's bought 1.75 million shares. Uh, Asana is a uh, software company that a lot of people uh, have been poo-pooing, but uh, th- this guy ain't stupid, you know. Uh, he's worth about $19 billion, and, uh, you know, this may be chump change for him, but he's buying a lot of it. So we'll just leave it at that, okay? Uh now, uh, look, I, I think you just got to – the 10-year yield broke out this week, uh, and you know that should be good for the dollar, or the dollar may be anticipating that. I just think you've got to be careful of the mega-cap growth stocks. Uh, they're, they're all – they're in uptrends, don't get me wrong, but uh, you know they're starting some incremental pullbacks, and, I, and the uptrend lines are pretty far below, and I think – you know. I want to mention this again. I've been talking about this for a month now. The S&P 500 is at the upper end of its trend channel. So if we draw those lines, higher lows and higher highs, we're at the higher high. And the monthly momentum has peaked. So I think the the S&P 500 has been the last 10% of the move has been 50 stocks. What I see happening is the bottom end of the S&P 500 coming forward. Those are basically the value stocks. So uh, the value, the channel is roughly 25% from top to bottom, meaning from the top, if we went all the way down to the bottom, it'd be a 25% correction. I don't know if that's going to happen. I, I, I think, you know, you got to be careful, uh, obviously, with some of your ideas. Uh, you know, I, I look at the daily, and the daily, the momentum is negative okay so we just got to think long term on a monthly thing and i think you just got to keep that in the back of your mind so what would tim hayes do at this point i would highly recommend the dividend growth portfolio and the prime income list and by the way 
I don't think you should buy all these at once. If you, you know, take the stuff, you know, uh, I would let Tim buy them for me because Tim buys things when they're down. And it's that simple. I think the Russell 2000, so all you small cap guys, you've got a whole 2100. Uh, the relative performance versus the S&P 500 is a problem. So I think the prime income list and the dividend growth portfolio, we just have a brand new update. I think it's worth looking at. And uh, they've, done, they've, done very, they've done very, very well. So I'll leave it at that. Uh, in the meantime, um, you know, look, like I said, the NASDAQ 100, 40% of the 3,655 3, stocks are down over 50%, all right? That's a lot, all right? So if you're wondering why your portfolios had some, you know, you're not alone. It, it's it's there. But I would suggest that growth versus value, it's value's time. And I've been talking, I, like I said, I think I've been talking like the boy who cried wolf for about two years now, you know? But this is the longest period of outperformance by growth versus value ever. It's the first time growth has outperformed value over a five-year and a 10-year period ever. Now, I'm talking about from the original, you know, when we started the stock market back in 1835, all right, in New York City. And that was when they just exchanged paper. So there you go. Uh, in the meantime, if, you know, if you go to WHK1420, Smart Investor Show, go down to local podcast, Smart Investor Show goes directly to my webpage. Make sure you look at Insight. That's uh, it's a rotating uh, page that has a lot of good information on it. In the meantime, get the dividend growth of the prime income list. Our best ideas, if you want to have coffee, give me a call or just email me. Uh, it's time to reallocate your, your portfolio, I think. Have a great weekend. It's beautiful out there. It's freezing, though. Remember to buy low, sell high. This is Smart Investor Show. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.